You are now listening to Spoilery Radio. This is Back to the Spoiler, where we take a look back at some of the best and worst fandom films of all time, right here on Spoilery Radio. What's up, nerds? My name is Mason Fields. Tonight, we are back to the spoiler, to 2005 for Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. We have completed our 90s era Batman rewatch, all episodes available now on the feed. Tonight, we start the Christopher Nolan era Batman, which many fans think of not just as the gold standard for Batman, uh, but would still hold up at least one film in this trilogy as uh, maybe the all-time reigning uh, best comic book uh, movie. Uh, Cousin Alec is with me once again tonight. Cousin, where are you at in general with Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker? Uh, he's, I, I, I mean, besides maybe Spielberg, I think he's my favorite filmmaker just in general. Uh, wow. I love the way he works environments into tone. I love uh, just the single camera shots that follow correctly through action sequences. And I love the balance between uh, narrative and dialogue. I think he's always really on point with him where uh, he's going to get you that right in between where it's not, especially in an action film like these, it's not just too much of the action. It's also not where we're taking too long to get to these points that he's trying to make. Right, Absolutely right. love him. Uh, you know, this was the first, this was kind of the first movie that I really liked him. But then you go on to Inception, Interstellar, The Prestige. I mean, they're all yeah. Oscar winning and Oscar worthy. His films always look great. Cinematography is always yeah. great. Always, uh, uh, generally, I should say, pretty darn well scripted. Um, I, I've got a, a challenging relationship with Christopher Nolan because I would I would agree with your statement that he's at least for me probably top five directors now, but all of his movies for me always feel like they're like fifteen minutes too fat. You know what I mean? There's always mm. like a couple of things where I'm just like, you, you added a couple extra layers of shit in there that you didn't need to, and I think it could be even better. But that being said, I've never been really disappointed by a Christopher Nolan film. He does love a slow pan to get a scene started, doesn't he? Yes, he does, he does yes, love it. yes. And in some ways, I feel like this is the least Christopher Nolan movie I've ever seen in that it works in a lot more of the kind of comic book one-liners of the, the mm-hmm. kind of Burton era than, than you know, certainly Nolan usually does in his films. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there were several of those. Um, this was not my first experience with Christopher Nolan. I remember I fell in love with uh, Memento when it first came out. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was one that I watched again that I went back to, which yeah. is, for anyone listening, is absolutely a film that's worth watching. Um, yeah, it, it's mind-boggling, you know, that they, yeah. it's, it's one of those magic trick movies where they pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, though, for me, it's like once you've seen how the magic trick works, it's not the, necessarily the most rewatchable uh, uh, of his movies, you know, years and years later. Yeah, that, that's uh, I felt that way with the twist and the prestige i don't know if you've watched the prestige but prestige it's is uh, like his only film i haven't seen i think oh highly recommend it's got christian bale and uh, hugh jackman in it so two oh, uh, right, comic right, book right, powerhouses right. Yeah. Uh, as a rivalry and they and actually michael caine's in it too well yeah, michael caine's in in, in in i mean everything yeah, that christopher everything. nolan does it's obligatory well him and him and cillian murphy after this one yes yeah absolutely um all right so do you remember seeing this movie when it first came out Oh yeah. First we were there. That was, uh, 
see, 2005, I'm probably just about to turn 20, so it's a midnight movie with the friends, oh, excited wow. for Batman to be coming back out. Yeah. Um, after the eight-year gap from the travesty that came before. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember the whole scene. We went out and had a, it was a big group of like 14 people that was very excited. And it lived up to it. It was it was a comic book movie as it should be done. Yeah. Um, it, it blows my mind that this movie came out, uh, what is that, 17 years ago now? <laughs> yeah. It's frightening. That's that's the hard part. Because um, it, it seems like, yeah, all the, the all the ones we've done in the 90s, yeah, they feel appropriate. That was a long time ago. Yeah, a yeah. long time ago. But uh, this one feels like, oh, yeah, a couple years ago, you know, when I was in college. Oh, wait, I've been out of college for a long yeah, time. Yeah, when people t- say 10 years ago, I still think like 1993. That's not quite yes. the case anymore. Huh? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I remember seeing this one when it came, when it came out as well. I don't think it was like a opening night uh, kind of thing, but pretty soon in that uh, opening week, I was pretty eager to get to it more out of just kind of curiosity at that point. Not so much from a like, I can't wait for Batman to be back, but more like, well, man, they really killed Batman last time I checked. How are they going to do this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I was coming into it so excited because even just from the preview, I was like, this is nothing like Schumacher and I that means I'm going to at least like it more than that yeah oh absolutely uh is it one you revisit uh fairly frequently over over the past uh 17 years I mean every couple years we watch yeah yeah we'll watch it or someone will be like hey I haven't watched all the Batman movies I'm like great let's sit down and start from the beginning do it uh, the the Nolans and do them again uh well, we've talked a lot about the the previous Batman's needing uh, more than a few years in between rewatches, but I'm with you, <laughs> with you on this one where it's like, yeah, about every at least every five years, probably more like every two or three years, I go through the. I got easily, you yeah. can go easily do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final question before we really dig into it, and I think I know the answer, but uh, does it still hold up for you? Yeah. I, uh, that tone's going to be uh, reiterated a lot, but yeah, <laughs> it lo- start to finish. It feels like it was made, you know yesterday yeah and i uh and i'm worried that because we just did um batman and robin so recently that i'm actually putting this a little too high like oh, maybe I should yeah. skip those two yeah. or go watch one of the burtons again to compare <laughs> a little better but it felt it was just such a relief to get into this one and, and watch some character building but get yeah. into a real movie not a two-hour <laughs> toy commercial oh uh, yeah with Arnold Schwarzenegger screaming, I blew out my voice uh, last Monday night. You know, I was having a little trouble there. Yeah, you're having a little cough going. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger killed my voice there for about. Two See, days. that's his real acting talent. Is he can sound like that for hours <laughs> yeah. and he can do fifteen shoots and then oh, exactly. Um, all right, so Schumacher had uh, actually planned a sequel after uh, Batman and Robin that was uh, darker than his previous two films. Allegedly, I'm not sure if I really buy that. Yeah, it just means it's not neon. Um, yeah, right. He, uh, but, but supposedly was talking to Clooney and O'Donnell and Silverstone about coming back. Um, Nicholas Cage was going to play the Scarecrow, and then it got weirder after that. Madonna was going to play Harley Quinn, and uh, but they were going to rewrite it so it was the Joker's daughter, and she was going to have these like crazy flashbacks with Nicholson as like a ghost. Oh man, um, yeah. Uh, I might but, have enjoyed watching that. That is a Madonna <laughs> Nicholson one on one. That's that's it, the reach. I like it, it. It sounds crazy enough. You know, you're like yeah. oh, just I, I, crazy enough to work. Would have been interesting. I don't know if it would have yeah. worked, but it would have been interesting. Um, but yeah, after the release of Batman and Robin, uh, Warner Brothers was like, "Yeah, no thanks, Schumacher. We will uh, never work with you again." Actually, um, so. Um, <laughs> 
And like we had talked about with our other series and stuff, there was usually about three years between Batman films. And at that point, we're talking uh, a decade and a half of that run. So at this yeah. point, you know, eight years between, it really was, you know, as dead as IP kind of gets. Uh, in this we, yeah, with, I mean, such a big brand name for it to have gone so long without being used in really anything. I mean, even yeah. the animated series shut down after that. It was, it was very surprising, but, it, but happy. It wasn't for lack of trying. Supposedly, there was uh, several scripts kicked kicked around that they were trying to get into production. Uh, Darren Aronofsky had kind of a Batman Year One. Um, that script got rewritten by the the Wachowskis, uh, which then got rewritten by Joss Whedon, and eventually the whole idea was just tossed because it had just gotten too many cooks in the kitchen and <laughs> became a total mess. Uh, a Darren Aronofsky Batman, sure, yeah, maybe, give, yeah, give yeah, a shot. Um, especially a year one story. I think he'd do good with the origin. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and so basically they decided to pivot to the, uh, Halle Berry Catwoman, which came out only one year before Batman begins. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I don't have any, I haven't seen all of it. So we talked about how hard we've mentioned before, how hard it is to walk out of a movie. Yeah. I walked out of that movie. (laughs) That's one that got you. I finished my Coke and then I could go. That was the most enjoyable thing in there. Uh, I believe you. I've uh, I've not heard good things. Um, all right. Christopher Nolan, as we talked about already a little bit, really broke out with Memento in 2000, um, Insomnia 2002. Before this, it's really those two that kind of led him into getting this. He pitched a darker, grittier, more realistic, which was still a novel idea in 2005. Now you hear, oh, we're going to do a dark and gritty. It's like almost a punchline at this point, uh, dark <laughs> and gritty comic book movies. It's actually become kind of DC's uh, Achilles heel is that yeah. they've taken these very bright characters and Wonder Woman and Superman and been like, well, Batman was great. Why don't we just make Superman really depressed for a lot of the time? Yeah. Doesn't work. And and literally make it darker, not just like dark totally, yeah, but yeah. make it so you can really tell what you're looking at. Just some overhead lighting, Zack Snyder. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. Let's see a whole room of people. Uh, the screenplay, written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Talked about David S. Goyer a few times previously on this podcast. Um, he did uh, do Blade, which we talked about a little bit last week. But he's also responsible for uh, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Some of my less favorite. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm one of the few Man of Steel defenders. I thought that they still had potential after that one. but I think Man of Steel is the only good... It's the One only, yeah, yeah, that it just jumped the ship, jumped the shark really quickly. Yeah, Bat- Batman v Superman didn't work for me at all. No. Justice League, I don't even want to go down that road. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so casting the new Batman, we were throwing a few names out there. Uh, Billy Crudup was in, tension, uh, in contention. I could kind of see that. I kind of, yeah, like I, thought, I thought Billy Crudup could be good. He was the one name that, uh, they they brought up that I saw, and then apparently Cillian Murphy came mm-hmm. in to uh, try out to be Batman, and they just liked his audition yeah. so much they hated him Scarecrow. He came very close of actually on the uh, I don't know one of the Blu-rays I had. It's got all the screen tests, and it really was Cillian Murphy and uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. The, you know, they had him in the full suit and everything, doing the full the full screen test with him. Um, well, I'm glad they kept him around as Scarecrow because he's fantastic in this. Yeah, one. yeah, I think he's and, really good as Scarecrow. In this. And as we mentioned, he's in I think every other <laughs> Christopher Nolan film that's been made. He's also yeah. in. Inter- is he an Interstellar? 
Yeah, I think he's just one of the guys working in the the boardroom. He NASA gets these bit parts. Dudes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah, other names that I saw: um, Guy Pierce, of course. We talked about from Memento. Can't really say, see Guy Pierce as an action hero, um, at least not to not not to the Bruce Wayne, you know, big guy kind of thing. I saw Jake Gyllenhaal's name. Both too young at the time and just too small, uh, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, Gyllenhaal's had some roles that I have liked, um, but yeah, I don't see him as Batman or really, you know, I haven't had my problems with him as Mysterio. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's not he's not my favorite comic book guy. He does, uh, yeah. you know, Donnie Darko was where he got his start, and I think that that kind of theme really the the modern city darkness is really fits him well yeah i'm inclined to agree i uh i could i couldn't see him in any of this um josh hartnett's name was also bandied about quite a bit um as was heath ledger at this stage of course heath ledger um wonderful as the joker in the next movie so clearly made a uh, made an impression on nolan um so they decided to go with christian bale um Known at this time for stuff like American Psycho. He was the bad guy in the Samuel L. Jackson shaft. Um, And really going into this, it was coming off, you know, four or five years of stuff like Reign of Fire with Matthew McConaughey, the dragon movie. Yeah, Um, jumping jumping with the axe off the building. It was a a great (laughs) scene in a terrible Um, film. And The the Machinist, where he lost a ton of weight. I just have to shout it out here. uh, My first encounter with Christian Bale was this uh, Turner, some sort of Turner production that was a uh, a uh, uh, Treasure Island that has Charlton Heston as Long John Silver and Christian oh, wow. Bale. Yeah, Christian P- Bale plays the the Jim Hawkins. Yeah, he's like twelve or whatever. Um, uh, see, he's uh, good. He's got chops, you know. And of course, he's in Spielberg's uh, Tears of the Sun or whatever as a kid too. So yeah, big chops. Yeah, I think star. he got points for that. But uh, I, for me, he's uh, he's uh, Jack Kelly from Newsies. The fine musical, <laughs> completely underrated Disney film from the nineties. I didn't know he was in that one. Yeah, yeah, he he plays the uh, lovable heartthrob in that one. He's supposed to be a kid. He looks about twenty three. Uh, is, uh, is he singing in that one? He is. Uh, oh, it's wow. not great. Not great. And, okay. And his it's his dancing is even worse. He has one solo dance number that I'm like. They really dumbed this down for you, didn't they? <laughs> I've not seen that one since I was a kid. I remember liking it as a kid, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about it at this point. Um, all right, by the numbers, the release date, June 15th, 2005, summer movie. Budget of $150 million. That's up from $125 million on Batman and Robin. Uh, considering we're eight years later, that's not a huge step up. It kind of makes it seem like uh, this movie was intended to be the same level of summer blockbuster as the previous Batman's was, but this was, I don't know if you remember, it was a little bit low key at the time when it came out. I mean, it's not that they weren't pushing the movie, but all the trailers were a little mysterious. A lot of them didn't even show the title. Um, yeah. Just, and as you know, I recall, they actually didn't have it as a summer release at first. Anyway, their original release date was in the spring, but then it started to get some good publicity and they so moved they it into that blockbuster. Moved it back. That makes more sense. To try and make more money off of it. Because they didn't have as much faith. I mean, because of their no, no one thought that Batman was coming back. Right. I think from the studio perf- perf- perspective, it was more of a like, 
yeah, what the hell, just throw it out there. You know, it wasn't our yeah. big tent pole for the summer. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll make a small Batman. We have the rights to this. We paid for them. Let's at least give it another run. Yeah, see if we can do see if we can do something. Um, let's see. Domestic opening, $48 million. That's actually up from Batman and Robin eight years earlier, which, once again, eight years in Hollywood, that's uh, – uh, that's a lot more money. Uh, worldwide gross, $373 million. That's up from 238 on Batman Returns and better than Forever 2. Um, so uh, quite a bit of a return to form with Batman. We're really back in the uh, 1989 Batman territory in terms of like, we've got a hit on our hands. Yeah. Um, this was the seventh highest grossing film of 2005. Man, I'm starting to see doing some of these movies with the doing the 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 aughts, as you might say. Yeah. Some weird movie years with that. I just did uh 2009. We just did Star Trek 09 with with uh, Lolly and Justin, and the first the oh. highest grossing film of 2009 was um, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. That's just Whoa. like, wait, I lived in a world where the third Transformers was the highest grossing film of the year. What? <laughs> Uh, That's why they keep getting made, man. <laughs> People keep going. Okay, they made some money. Um, so, yes, 2005, the highest grossing film is Revenge of the Sith, uh, Goblet of Fire, wow. War of the Worlds. Got some connections to this movie we'll talk about here shortly. Um, the First Chronicles of Narnia, Wedding Crashers, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I did not realize. I thought uh, that Tim Burton, Charlie and the Choc- Chocolate Factory was a huge bomb, but I guess not. Beat this one. Uh, I think it was a critical bomb, but it still got enough people going. Made the money, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah pretty much put Johnny Depp on a poster, and it makes yeah, at that time. At that that's time. Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, time. Exactly. He was he was Mister Hollywood. No more. Um, yeah. All right. So the plot of the movie, the film opens with. Bats, lots of bats, all the bats. There's a lot of bats in this movie. I actually went looking for like some trivia on, yeah, 5,000 bats were used for this film. I couldn't find anything, but it was all the bats. They lost count, yeah. They didn't have the stat for you. Um, and Bruce wakes up from a dream where he's, you know, remembering the falling down into the hole, uh, wakes up in a Tibet- Tibetan prison uh, where he is fighting criminals for practice because, you know, that's a thing people do. Yeah, you know, uh, he's he's certainly driven in this one. It's I do where I've had awkward moments with the flashback scenes in some of the previous Batmans. I feel like Nolan does a lot better of a job of getting into um, psychological reasonings with people. So the yeah, moments yeah. he chooses uh, don't see as awkward as the weird gravestone in the window moments with right. Rudy, you know, like him falling down and. This is why he's afraid of bats. And like that becomes a defining moment an actually defining moment. I think they all work in this movie. I think there's maybe like one too many or something. Like I couldn't peg it down, but there's a couple like, I don't know if it's the falling down the well or the raising them out. One of those shots is used like five times in the movie. Um, but otherwise I think they're, they're much more emotionally impactful yeah. for character building than anything we saw in those other ones where it's just kind of, Oh yeah. His parents died. Remember? Um, so he's throw up Bruce is thrown into solitary where he meets Millie Ducard, uh, who says he's a representative of Raz Al Ghul. Uh, so this is where we meet Liam Neeson. Now this is uh, pre taken, and I would argue this is this this kind of led him directly into the action star that he became after this uh, with Taken and all those other things. Yeah, you know people 
don't think about him, but I mean, he's, this is Schindler's List was who yeah, Liam yeah. Neeson was, you know? And Genre fans uh, he, just think of him as Qui-Gon, but uh, there, was, yeah, there was a little you know, more in he's there. He's fantastic as that. I mean, I know that he actually has his gold gloves in boxing from when he was a youth. Oh, but, does he really? I believe so he's that. an actual action fighter, but uh, <laughs> uh, he does jump into it. I remember when the movie was released, they it was a big deal. Um, that they kept it listed as what is it? He introduces himself as Ducard. Ducard, yeah. Uh, not as Razel Ghoul, and that was supposed to be the big twist at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that as a comic book fan, the second you saw the preview where he had the goatee, you were like, "That's Razel Ghoul." That's Raz, that's, yeah. Which is actually, I'll go ahead and do it right here. My nipples on a bat suit is Razel Ghoul's facial hair in this movie. I, see, I, I I can let that one go because it is a direct comic book pull. Yeah. But when they tried to then like trick me with it is like sorry guys you gave that one away like if the if the it's a tricky that it's the riddler but he's wearing a giant green question mark <laughs> like right. we're gonna pick up on it well they really and i think it's hilarious because basically ken watanabe's casting in this movie is just completely a red herring so you don't see neeson's mm-hmm. character coming and i actually went back and watched some of the trailers they really pushed the uh, shots of of Watanabe, Watanabe and who's an amazing little, actor in his own right yeah. for his thirteen seconds of, of screen time. And uh, yeah, that's about what it is. Mostly just speaking Japanese to Liam Neeson along the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, they really did not want you to see that. But yeah, I think the uh, and I I was only vaguely aware of Ra's al Ghul at the time, but I was like, that facial hair. I don't know. I just yeah, I, this guy's this it. guy's coming back. You saw it in the Batman animated series when you were younger. Yeah, you're that's like, probably that's what it is. It's like sitting in your subconscious. Subconscious, exactly. Um, so Ducard offers him a path, the League of Shadows, tells him he has to pick a blue flower and take it to the top of the mountain. Um, Bruce makes it to the top, uh, pretty much half dead by the time he gets up there. Uh, and that's where he sees Ken Watsonabi kind of seated on his throne. Um, and Neeson's like, are you ready to begin? Bruce is like, could I get a nap and a, a snack maybe first? Before? Yeah, he was, he was I'm, I'm, I'm half dead. <laughs> Uh, apparently, the, Mr. Ducard does not care about yeah. your mountain hiking abilities. Does not wait for you. Yeah. Uh, he basically just starts kicking the shit out of him until Bruce passes out. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, welcome to the League of Shadows. Um, so, fade back to baby Bruce getting saved by his father. Um, I actually think Linus Roach as uh, Thomas Wayne is really good in this. I know him mostly from Vikings, but uh, uh, but That's I think good, it's, it's a very strong bit part and an interesting thought that I had. And uh, it's a a constant in Christopher Nolan's, well, I think it's interesting. You can tell me if you disagree. Uh, in Christopher Nolan films, the dead is, wife? Know, is uh, well, dead wife, and also that the mother never says anything to Bruce. He only has <laughs> yeah. conversations with uh, uh, with his father, and it's kind of a battle between father figures through the whole thing when he's got Ra's al Ghul trying to replace Thomas and, Wayne. And Gordon and, even a little bit. Well, see, that was the thing, is, is Alfred... It always seems like he's not the dad that he was in the previous Batman. He's more of a teacher, like he's there and an yeah, influence. Yeah, yeah. But their relationship is more is is different. I feel like there's a there, I got a few inconsistencies with uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, is he supportive of Batman? Is he not supportive of Batman? Yeah. Can he make up his mind? Yeah, uh, we'll I don't think he does. No, no, no. I don't think he if they think he does either. Um, and yes, this is where we meet Michael Caine. Uh, as Alfred Pennyworth, uh, the Waynes take the train to the opera. Um, of course, we had to have this scene on the train because the train's going to be important later. But for some reason on this watch, my first thought is, should have taken the limo. <laughs> this isn't going to work out well. Um, and mainly got me going like, 
would a bodyguard be too much for the Waynes to add to the payroll? You know. Yeah, it is. It is a little. That, that is a, a plot hole magnifique because I've never seen anybody that's supposed to be wealthy enough to have a building oh, in right. the middle that's not walking around with somebody opening a door. A like, little security, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, even if it's Alfred, I mean, it's something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to be ex special forces yeah, or something, exactly. depending on the iteration, right? Uh, Mike Payne could take that guy. But they have to leave the opera because Widow Boosie got scared because the, the things vaguely resemble bats. Vaguely resembled bats. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. But I, I do like the performance here with Thomas just being like, I don't, I don't know what. What's going on with my son here? But he needs to leave, so we're going to leave. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Sport of Dad. You don't see it very often in movies. Yeah, um, but yeah, let's definitely exit through the scummiest alleyway I've ever seen. Uh. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of my f- uh, favorite recurring things that they bring up in comics and the death of his parents all the time. Is it's literally called Crime Alley. Yes. Yeah. It's in the original <laughs> books, the Joe Cool murder of his parents. They were walking down Crime Alley, like. Seems like you got what you're asking for there, Tommy. Like maybe, maybe just kind of avoid that one. Just yeah. kind of mark that one off. See, this is where Especially the limo. Especially in the tux and pearls. I don't <laughs> know if that's the best best time to be out there. See, this is where the limo thing came in because it's like I feel like if they took the limo, it would have been waiting out front. We could have avoided Crime Alley altogether. Uh, but no, we meet Joe Chill. Uh, Thomas tries to defuse the situation. Uh, we've talked about this scene that has appeared basically in uh, every Batman so far. I actually think this is the best version of it. Uh, there's something about it's very fast and the accidental nature of it all uh, really makes it that much more tragic. You know, it's just in a blink they're taken from him rather than this. Yeah, it's uh, more of a pause on Thomas talking with Bruce than on yeah. the actual event itself, which I think yeah. makes it more emotional. Though I will, I did wonder when he, because we've talked about the pearl necklace so much, when did you groan a little bit when Thomas showed him the pearl necklace? A little bit, yeah. Were you just like, Ugh, yeah. again, like it doesn't have to be the pearls every time? At least they didn't spill out in slow mo in this one. Joe Chill just fair, fair snaps them off her neck, and, and but just because of you talking about it, I, I saw that and I was like, I bet they said like this. This is yeah. this is bugging him. I forgot the pearls got their own intro. Scene. They got that. There was a whole little thing. They, yeah. they gave it the pretty woman opening. That's maybe what I could, was talking about when I, you could trim a little bit off those flashbacks. Yeah, that was there was your moment for you. I found <laughs> I found two minutes. There you go. Um, and then at Gotham PD, a young officer, Jim Gordon, uh, p- portrayed by Gary Oldman, is uh, uh, being very nice to young Brucey here. I think Gary Oldman's great in this film. Gary Oldman, and I remember this at the time, was a big surprise for me to be Gordon because Gordon is such like a kindly mm-hmm. soldier and yeah. kind of a like I always thought of him as like you know the steady sergeant, you know, right. not really the big leader. Where Gary Oldman's all the big roles that I'd seen him in were usually villains, and they were like uh, huge villains, huge over the top characters like the professional or Fifth Element. Yeah, but he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that I, I was surprised when they had him, and I was worried about it at the time, and I was completely wrong. He, <laughs> I was right there with you. At, yeah, I was right there with you at the time. Um, apparently, he was actually offered uh, Neeson's role, uh, Roz or Ducard, um, but he was like, "I cannot play another bad guy." Um, so they gave him Gordon, and I think it worked out worked out great. Yeah, um, he's fantastic as Gordon. I didn't know he was offered Roz. Didn't see that. That it, is that. Okay. All In right. some ways, I think he's really kind of the heart of this trilogy. You know, he's the conscience of it. Yeah, which I mean, we'll get into it here in a couple of weeks. But it makes 
it becomes one of the big problems I have with the third movie. I can't even really remember what happens to him other than he's sidelined there for a while. But, uh, yeah, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. All right, so back in the present, uh, we get a pretty good little training montage that culminates uh, with the sword fight on the ice between uh, Bruce and Ducard. I like that we're getting the little hints of, like, you know, his little bat gauntlets or just, just kind of ninja mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Um, it, I it, like how he's trying to still keep it, and I think that Nolan does this pretty well, where he rides the border between real, realistic and fantastical very mm-hmm. well in his films. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Interstellar is a great exception for all the research and the different planetoid types, but it's still fantastical over the top and oh yeah that's the same here where he's like yeah look like there's ninja stuff that's like close to what right. Batman would be doing it you and know kind of even the whole bat, spin yeah even the whole bat suit being this kind of uh mm-hmm. you know uh there, there's an explanation for literally every single piece yeah, of it here they give it um uh, so yeah, Bruce gets the upper hand, dumps Ducard into the ice with just the littlest tap of his sword. I'm not sure that really works, but sure, that's the story. Um, you know what? He's an immortal bad guy, so I'll let it slide. <laughs> let it slide. He really you don't know ice. yet. He's got it. Um, so then we fade back to another flashback. This is Bruce coming home from Princeton for Joe Chill's trial. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of making Christian Bale look like he was 19 with the kind of bowl, shaggy bowl cut and the... <laughs> The coat yeah. that doesn't, you know, it's a little too big. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it looks kind of like a bad wig, but it fits as a bad college haircut, yeah. right? Like, like if you thought that was the main character in a play, you'd be like, they messed that up. But it, it works in this little, in this lighting. Especially if I kind of backdate it to like, okay, 2006, if we're saying Bruce was in college, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, like that haircut was popular in the late 90s. So it, <laughs> sure, it fits. yeah. Um, and we would meet Rachel Dawes, played by uh, Katie Holmes. Can we go ahead and put her down? Is this is the, the the high on the mountain that she's ever going to get? Oh, and definitely, just, yeah. That's that's what uh, I got. That's what I got on mine. But I will say, I don't think it's because of her performance. I think she's fine performance wise in this. Do you? I, I, there's a couple moments. Um, she just there's just not enough emotion. One in particular, I'll bring it up later. The, the but, final scene with her kills me. But I mean, most of the yeah. movie she doesn't have a whole lot to do. Um, but of course this is the same summer that war of the Worlds is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Cruise is jumping on the couch. Uh, Oprah's couch going nuts for, for Katie Holmes was like a month before this movie came out. Yeah. So. And she also did, um, another fantastic movie called thank you for smoking came out the same year too so she, i thought I this she was, was in that yeah yeah she plays the um uh, aggressive reporter shall we say that's right um but she's also a little bit of a letdown in that and i just feel like this was her year to either become yeah. the queen of hollywood or not and it didn't hit it. Swing yeah, the miss. performances I don't think fully hit, and then all the drama with Tom Cruise. Off the sides like, and everything. No, thank yeah. you. Um, so cut to the courtroom where Joe Chill is turning rat on Carmine Falcone. Uh, I should mention Joe Chill, portrayed by Richard Brake, is uh, at least one of my nominations for what I have rebranded as the Honorary John Favreau Award after our Batman Forever uh, discussion of him <laughs> going from a, go. a non-speaking extra to the god of uh, Marvel and Star Wars. Um, well, Richard Brake is a nomination for my Johnny Favs Award this week because he goes on to play uh, at least one of the iterations of the Night King in Game of Thrones. So, um, shouts to Richard Brake. 
Um, That's another another Game of Thrones. We have uh, my my nomination is also a Game of Thrones. Character. Yeah, he's I, he's on my list as well. Yeah, uh, we're coming up to him. Uh, Bruce Bruce is planning to uh, basically Jack Ruby Joe Chill uh, at the courthouse. Um, but, that's a good uh, sentence. You got a Jack Ruby Joe Chill. Got a that's Jack very, Ruby Joe Chill. <laughs> that's a Dick Tracy line right there, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, or something out of Ocean's Eleven. You know, we need a Jack Ruby yeah, Joe Chill. Yeah, we got to pull. Yeah. They always have the crazy names. Yeah, yeah uh, two um, scientists and a Liberace. You know, yeah. <laughs> whatever the code names for the cons are. Yeah. Um, so she, uh, let's see. Uh, Rachel takes Bruce for a drive. They argue about justice versus revenge. Uh, big theme of the movie. Uh, she takes. It is, yeah, I think that's that's the defining moment of what the movie is about. Is is he going to become a, a thing of vengeance or a beacon of justice? And they I really mean, just she, lay it out for you. She turns him in. Well, the first step on the right direction <laughs> yeah. of a long journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, she takes him to the shitty part of town to Falcone's hangout. Uh, he shows her his gun, and she gives him a couple of good slaps for it. <laughs> Something funny about that to me. I don't know. Um, I think that they left in both slaps, but she only slapped him a second time because the first one was just a little off. Yeah, yeah. So I think that Katie was like trying to redo the slap, yeah. <laughs> and Nolan just kept it rolling. Yeah. Like, I feel like there was a miss there, because it does... It, the second one shouldn't be there, or the first one looks yeah. worse. Worse. He seems a little more surprised by the second one now that you mentioned it. Yeah, his, but it looks more honest, right? Like the reaction looks more honest. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's so pure Bruce speculation ta- on my part. <laughs> no, I think you're onto something. I've I've grown to have a pretty keen eye for that kind of stuff here in the last yeah. few years. Um, so Bruce tosses the gun and then goes inside to have a word with Falcone, um, who is played by the great Tom Wilkinson. Now, if you'd have told me. Uh, casting for an Italian mobster, we're going to uh, cast the great British actor uh, uh, Tom Wilkinson. I would have been like, "Huh? Why yeah, he's and, fucking uh, great in this because scene." Because of it, this is my the ham that I shall celebrate is the accent that he chooses to go oh, with yes. as a New York gangster, which is over the top, crazy over the top. But I, I love every every word that comes out of his mouth and his role in this. It's so believably uh, Gotham in a way, you know? Yeah, it like yeah. fits the character just right. Uh, oh, God, what's the line he has with Scarecrow? Hey, Doc, I'm crazy. I'm trying to kill myself. And he's got the, the Bronx accent on yeah. it. It's just, a couple more days of this food and it'll be true. Exactly. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. The, there's the one-liners they were slipping in. Uh, I, yeah, I so thought he knocked, knocked it out of the park. That's that's I, my ham ham for the day is uh, definitely that he he gives it for me. That's that's a that's a lot of ham for not a whole lot of playing time, but I like it. That's the best kind of that's that's that's. See, but ham. isn't that where it's great? You just put yeah. that little bit of a little yeah. bit of ham in your sandwich. You don't need five slices. <laughs> exactly, right? exactly. Um, I just have to mention it because I'm a history nerd. Tom Wilkinson has been Benjamin Franklin in the John Adams HBO miniseries. Everybody, go watch it, please. Just an all time performance. Um, but moving on with Batman, Falcone says basically, yeah, you don't know shit. You spoiled rich kid and has him roughed up a little bit before, uh, having him tossed out. Um, and as he's tossed out a, uh, homeless guy played by a, uh, another great act character actor. Oh yes. Uh, Raid Cervega. Uh, is that how you say it? Cause I have it written down and I still yeah. have no idea how to pronounce it, but yeah. he was the one that was another one on my list of other things. And it's not because he had other big roles, but he's in like. 70 like huge yeah. films he's the russian in everything basically. yeah uh x-men first class mission impossible 2 harry potter the deathly hallows and then his best role 
is uh, Boris the Blade in Smash. Yes, which I was going to say all time role. Yeah, the guy. I was just reading a little bit about him. Apparently, he's like uh, the the highest grossing actor ever from Yugoslavia. So wow. from the seventies and eighties, when Yugoslavia was still a nation, right? Uh, he was like he was the lead in every movie that they produced and then civil war broke out and that's why he started doing all these bit parts in british films this is and kind of a technicality that not, now no one now you know I mean, it's a retired yeah. number yeah. nobody could be the best right. in yugoslavian history anymore exactly. I, you know uh best kind of stats um yeah nobody can challenge yeah it, it's crazy that he's in this movie to me because it's such a like uh, he's, it's just a nothing part. He, yeah, he, been anyone. He's he's in there to for the setup and payoff of a one liner, and that's yeah. It. Um, Do you think but, he was just like was he just wandering around Warner lots, and they're like, hey, we got like two lines. You want to read real quick? Uh, so that's yeah. the the thing about all the studio stuff on these movies was filmed uh, at Pinewood in London. So I think they just that that just gave them access to all of you know Britain's stable. Oh, these great and and he's a he's Yugoslavian, yes, but he's a he's, he's no, he's a British actor yeah, since yeah. 1983 or whatever. Right, right. Um, so that's why I think we get like Rutger Hauer and you know people yeah, like that. It's, it's just it's like oh, great... you yeah, come on over. That's yeah. I, I thought it was just Christopher Nolan. That makes more sense. I did not know that detail, but every like side character, I'm like, I also know you. Yeah, yeah. Things. Even the like weird assistant in the boardroom is like, yeah. you on Downton Abbey too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh well. So back in the present, uh, Ducard mixes up some magic flower powder. Um, we had pink boner dust last week. This week we've got blue uh, flower powder. Um, and he basically gives <laughs> Bruce a really bad acid trip. I love the effect with this drug throughout the movie where it's like, it gives people these fucking glowing eyes and everybody looks like a demon. Again, Christopher Nolan's choices with mind altering situations, whether it's inception or the prestige, <laughs> yeah. he, he really gets it. He gets what people are, what, what happens and yeah. the perception defining reality. And it's so great. The kind of pulsating camera thing that oh yeah, it, you, it, it makes your blood pump a little bit more too, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like to get the sentence, even though it shouldn't be doing anything. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, just watching it, it's like I hit, took a hit of angel dust or something. Yeah, like, that's why I'm that. certain. I am certain that Scarecrow is Christopher Nolan's favorite villain, which is why he's <laughs> in every movie. I'm I, they, those two uh, have a love child and Cillian Murphy, and it worked out great. <laughs> uh, I always laugh when, I, and I think it's 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 cool that they that Bruce kind of wins through logic here, but when he just goes around and starts casually like cutting all these other guys' arms, yeah, uh, and, they're and, fine with it. They're just like, do what you're going to do. The Shadow's no joke, man. Those guys are, you just cut them arm and they're like, all right, cool. I guess I'm supposed to still stand here. Which also made me think of how do all these other guys feel about like, I've been in the League of Shadows for 25 years <laughs> and this fucking rich kid comes along and you put him yeah. in charge? I mean, listen, the wealth bias happens even in Leagues of Assassins. <laughs> there's no there's no way to get away from it. It's just what it is. Oh, God. Um, all right. So uh, the final test, your commitment to justice, execute this prisoner. Oh, and by the way, after that, lead these men to Gotham to burn it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that whole speech is a little rush. I wonder if he would have killed him if there had been the other impending thing. 
Yeah, the yeah, guys yeah. If he hadn't a, uh, doubled down with the Gotham part, I bet he would have cut the guy's head off. But yeah, uh, you know, they, they just walked in his army like we're going to turn around and start walking to Gotham, that's <laughs> sitting behind them. I don't know why that was necessary, but yeah, yeah. But Bruce is just like, well, this ain't what I signed up for. But Ducard's like, yeah, no backseas. We've already taught you all our cool tricks. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so Bruce just starts a big fire instead. Really handy little flip of the uh, burning iron onto a big stack of fireworks, I guess. <laughs> Um, but the whole place I think goes it's up. the gunpowder it's, it's an image from the gunpowder before that they were sitting on oh right right yeah all the uh, explosive powder they were doing powder the explosive and, powders it was right. that same little shelf but I really like how they did build all of Batman's tricks into this this kind of ninja stuff oh, yeah ninja here. stuff yeah it, it makes you feel better about watching it later he crosses. Not as many grappling hooks carrying cars up the sides of buildings yes thank you for that though we do get plenty of rooftop driving in this film um uh, Bruce crosses swords with Roz or this guy who <laughs> we don't know who, uh, he really is, but Ken Watanabe, um, and Roz gets crushed, uh, by a falling beam, a falling burning beam. Um, that's one of two falling burning beams that takes out principal characters in this movie at some point. <laughs> um, but that's a wrap on Ken Watanabe. Uh, Bruce gets the unconscious Ducard out, um, and I do on this rewatch. I really do like the like. Okay, Bruce. Even though we feel that there's something shady with this guy, regardless, even though Bruce is like turned on the league, he still sees Ducard as a mentor and kind of a friend, the father figure. Yeah. I still think he still has that relationship, that void. People you know that lose their dads, but always they're, they're constantly looking for the father figure, and he's attached to him. He saves him. And yeah. it doesn't matter. That's because that is Batman. His life is more precious than anything else. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, the 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 shot though of them kind of dangling off the cliff with the unconscious Liam Neeson, and you're yeah, like, yeah, I think his shoulder's supposed to be separated there, and he still pulls him up. Yeah. Like uh, that I've ain't separated happening. his shoulder before, and I couldn't lift like a plastic bag. Yeah. Liam Neeson looks heavier than that. I'm not oh, certain. yeah. No chance. No chance that mechanic. I would say generally in movies, the uh, lifting someone off a ledge is never is never realistic. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the give me your hand thing, it just never, yeah. it never works. Um, so back in Gotham, Killian Murphy's Dr. Crane um, is having Falcone's men move to Arkham. Um, and in this scene, we also see Bruce sees, uh, dressed like a homeless man, sees Rachel, uh, smooching her boss, which I'd forgotten about in this because I remember it in the next movie. She's with Harvey. So yeah. Rachel's kind of got a thing for, she's got a type for her bosses. Boss. She really likes, uh, the company Inc. It's a good well. <laughs> good well. <laughs> I just, it really made me kind of like, wait, this is the, the, the kind of, um, uh, sort of chased, uh, you know, not heroin, but you know, uh, of this movie, <laughs> she's, you know, uh, gotta, gotta get to the top somehow, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's working for her. Uh, apparently, um, until it goes very bad in the next movie, but, uh, <laughs> back at the manor. Jokes Bruce- on her. <laughs> it actually took me a second to get that one to process. Yeah. The, You're welcome. The Joker. Oh boy. Um, so Bruce goes spelunking in the backyard, um, and finds the bat cave and embraces the bats. And I is- did, I did love, uh, the, the line, my favorite line delivered is Morgan Freeman is like, you expect a lot of, uh, gunfire in these caves. Yes. My, I had that one. As- <laughs> when I asked about the army and then he is actually wearing the suit while spelunking. 
At one point, yeah. Yeah, when they start doing the construction, he's, why, what are you doing? You're breaking it in? Does it need to be, like, stretched <laughs> out and this is your move? I wondered that, that as well. Me. Those those rocks look pretty sharp. I mean, a little protection never hurt. But it's funny because the first time he goes down there, he's basically wearing khakis and, like, a yeah. a, a, a peacoat, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got the brace on. Yeah, it looks nice, but, uh, yeah. He overcompensated. He must have really hurt himself in the khakis that he felt the body armor was necessary. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what it was. Um, It also occurred to me in this film more than ever before, this is actually a really terrible place to work. You could not hear shit over the sound of that waterfall down there. (laughs) Well, that's how people keep sneaking in, is the the sound. There's no sound. Right. Um, And at this point, Alfred is weirdly supportive of this whole thing. He's just like, oh, sure, Master Bruce, you want to dress up? And Yeah, all right, I'll help you. Um, but then like after like two adventures, he's like, you're getting way too deep into this master wine. (laughs) It's like, which is it, Alfred? (laughs) What's the balance you would approve of here? Um, I think Alfred just kind of gets to a point where he's looking for grandkids. You know, he's just mad (laughs) that that's not on the days. You know, he thinks you're too invested in your job. You need to go he, meet somebody. He thought Bruce would kind of be over this new hobby in uh, like a few weeks. Yeah, he was like, oh, it's a phase. Yeah. You know, just like a bat, you know. Your kid turns goth when they're 17. You're like, <laughs> all right, just let it, let him ride it out. But it uh, didn't, didn't work out for him. He that committed man to the is lifestyle. Bruce Wayne's goth phase. Yeah, it's his goth makeup phase. Yeah. He's but got his he's chain really... wallet on his suit. Oh, no. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I don't um, know if anyone listening remembers those. But yeah. No, we're dating ourselves, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> so we go to Wayne Enterprises. Bruce wants a uh, job in applied sciences. And this is where we meet Lucius Fox, who is in exile in the basement. And it blows my mind that Morgan Freeman is like the seventh lead of this movie. It's like, wow. The whole, I mean, we're talking about all of these amazing actors, and it's just another one on the list. It's just keep it going. <laughs> Um, and he's, I think he's, I think he's really good. Like he's, he's, he's overqualified for this role oh, absolutely. Uh, by, by a lot, but, um, so Bruce and Alfred power up the bat cave and we get this really weird, like, Oh, it's the Southeast wing, master Wayne. Uh, you know, uh, I know your parents were rich in the 18th century, which probably makes you think they might own slaves, but I just want to clarify this for <laughs> They were on the good side? We were yeah. on the good side, we were we're the good the side of that, uh, the Underground <laughs> Railroad. Just so modern audiences know, we don't want to upset yeah. anyone. <laughs> exactly. Just needed to bring that in. <laughs> it's like, okay, there was the Underground Railroad in the DC universe? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had to make sure that, yeah. Wayne's have been heroes going back 400 years. <laughs> I guess. You know? um, yeah, it's hard for me to, to like retcon real history into a comic book universe, especially one where there's a city called Gotham and a city called Metropolis and all that. Yeah, Whatever. that are both across the street from each other in Delaware, just in case you're wondering. So. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so we go to meet uh, Commissioner Gordon's partner, played by Mark Boone Jr., another great character actor who oh, I fantastic. Think I've kind of generally referred to as Ned Beatty Jr. Jr. <laughs> He's kind of the, the next era Ned Beatty Jr., you know what I mean? Yeah, there Ned, you go. Uh, Ned Beatty, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Um, and so where are we here? Bruce goes out with the ski masks and uh, pulls a stapler on Detective Gordon. I like that little little moment between. Yeah, it's a nice moment. Uh, you get the, oh, you're just one guy? Now we're two. Um, so Gordon goes after him. I, I like I always forget Gordon doesn't just like 
isn't just like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, like you next somebody time. broke into my office. He responds like a cop would. Like, <laughs> well, there's a crazy person that just pulled a gun on me. He doesn't think of the staple. And uh, they shoot at Batman, and he falls like, you know, 10 stories or so. That's a very yeah, bad thing. car. Oh, that feel great. Um, he goes back to Fox to get some uh, cloth for his cape. And, oh, what's that? The tumbler. Some nonsense about it being built uh, as a bridging vehicle. Uh, whatever. And, for all those times in combat, you need to launch a bridge over a river. Yeah, it's is, like... Let me tell you, it's pretty constant. That is a constant need in modern warfare. Yeah, I was going to say, like, okay, World War II, I think, is about where that need ended. But, but, you know, hey. But sure. And, of course, the iconic trailer line, does it come in black? Yeah. Um, I really was impressed on this one, the the kind of differences in the way he plays Batman and, and Bruce Wayne. Um even in the even in the casual moments where he's with someone like Alfred, who knows the the truth of it, you know. Yeah. Um. Great, great job by Bale. Um. But, 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 so Bruce puts the finishing touches on his bat gear. Uh. Down at the docks, we see the dirty detective. Uh. Gets the drugs coming in. We got a really fun, almost like horror sequence here, where uh, all the goons are getting pulled into the dark, and you don't see this where it's is- coming from. This is where this movie really uh, takes the cake from all of its predecessors, I think. In Real Batman. Defining, defining Batman, the comic book character Batman, who's, and they talk about it you know, through all his training, but fear is his superpower. Yes. That's why uh, a lot of these others, or the Joker is the perfect anti-character for him, is because he just doesn't feel fear. Like that's, right, right. That's, that's what makes them such a good pairing. Batman's but, superpower yeah. does not work on the Joker. So Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, his, it's his kryptonite. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the bit where one of the goons kind of backs into him and he's yeah. like, where, where are you here? And he yeah, just and it's, swoops, wraps him up and swoops away with him. Uh, absolutely fantastic scene. Really, really, really gets the Batman that I always wanted to see in, uh, the other movies, but just wasn't quite, wasn't quite done. Yeah. I think they Keaton, nailed Keaton it. had some moments where he seemed scary. Uh, Kilmer and Clooney were uh, never, what's happening there yeah and then of course he drags falcone out of his limo and we get the first of many i'm batman and then he sees raid serbega and says nice coat before <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming in man good filming yeah yeah nice to have you nice to have you uh you know um classically trained uh, actor yeah you insanely talented actor i'm glad that you were here to be a homeless guy for three seconds Those two lines um so we cut to rachel dawes taking the l train home uh, she's being stalked by some creeps. She's saved by Batman. I really love when she turns around, and tries to stun gun him, and he just doesn't even flinch. It doesn't doesn't blink. Love that. Uh, good good job, rubber suit. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is what my problem with Katie Holmes. I'm gonna bring it up here and mention it one more time. She has the exact same face using the stun gun where it doesn't work on Batman that she does when she puts it into Scarecrow's eyes, uh, and he okay. goes screaming away. And there's no. No reaction on either scene. Apparently, she feels the same about both of those actions happening. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be very, you know, the the the, the final beat of that's supposed to be the empowering one. Not yeah, the, I'm and scared. It right? was, yeah, exactly. It was very, it just really threw me off on her. <laughs> I don't know why that moment stuck in my craw, but it did. Um, so Alfred wakes up Bruce at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we get this little uh, talk about you need a cover story, you know, be a reckless playboy. Um, and I like the line, if you start pretending to have fun, you might even have a little by accident. I feel yeah, like people have said that to me in my life more than a few times. <laughs> it felt relatable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'd be like, this is Alfred trying to be like, yeah, look, just, you know, it's you, you have a pretty good life here if you'd like. We could just go be rich and hang <laughs> yeah. out on a yacht. Like, I don't mind. Why don't you but, go uh, fuck some supermodels, Master Wayne? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bruce takes his advice, pulls up for dinner at a fancy restaurant in a Lamborghini with, and I don't know if I've ever noticed that there the, there's like two supermodels and one's riding in the other's lap up mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. thing. Lamborghinis <laughs> only have two seats. What are you going to do? I guess. Um, so the models go swimming. They ask him to leave. Great, uh, douchey rich guy. Just I just think I'll just buy this, is, this hotel. This is where the dichotomy is so much better with him yes. than it was any of his predecessors. Is he's playing both characters? They're completely different characters. I mean, in these moments, yeah, like, he's the American Psycho guy, basically. Yeah, and then yeah, it is wonderful. It's great. I love it. Um, it comes back around at the party later where he's like trying to fake that. Oh, yeah. That everybody. drunk scene is so great. That's iconic. I love that one. Um, but yeah, overall, he plays a douchebag pretty well. They go swimming, but then he bumps into Rachel. A little bit uh, embarrassing. He tries to kind of like, I'm, I'm not I'm not really a douchebag. She's like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so Dr. Crane visits Falcone, sprays him with the crazy juice, and he loses it. This is the first time we actually see the Scarecrow. Once again, very cool effects on this. Oh, uh, wonderful. I would mask, have... it, it just looks like such a stupid little mask when he pulls it out. <laughs> And then he hits him with the gas, puts it on the whole cover. When it I starts it. kind of melting and maggots are yeah, falling there's like, out there's of a it. worms, and the maggots yeah. crawling from mouth to eyepiece. Oh, when yes. Batman, when he hits Batman with it, there's like a bat crawling out of, crawling out of the mouth. Crawling out of the mouth. Oh, Ooh. so good. So good. Um, let's see. So after visiting Gordon at home, Batman strings up Mark Boone Jr. to get a little info. This is where you get the, uh, I just love the, swear to me. Yeah. It's just so, so hard. Like, oh. So guttural. There's, um, so, there's so much spittle that flies out of his mouth while he's yes. doing the line. It's great. And he doesn't blink. But he's like becoming the the demon in a way that like, he doesn't feel like he's he's portraying something to scare people. He just is no, that. He is that. And I also, just before this, uh, to all of our listeners out there, if you order falafel, don't do it in the middle of a downpour. That is super gross. That, that looks he's disgusting. eating that open sandwich that is manly mayonnaise and sauce. But <laughs> he's just like letting the sewer water run off the top of these oh, you know, New York buildings onto. I can't. That is the grossest part of the movie. We just talked about maggots going from an eye to a lip. Not as gross as that man taking a bite out of that falafel. That is method acting. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that Mark Boone Jr. is basically sweating mayonnaise in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> in almost all of his roles. That's yes. true. And he stiffs the falafel guy, too. Yeah, he steals it. Watch the kids are like falafel. Ah, that made it more satisfying to watch him get strung up after that. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, uh, this is also where we get a, uh, I think who is your candidate for the, uh, Johnny Favs, little baby Jack yeah. Gleason, baby Jack Gleason of the famous, famous Gleason's. This is his first, uh, big credit and he comes out. Eventually you all know him as the most hateable character in pop culture in yeah. the decade, I but would say, but that this no weird... one is more hated than Joffrey Baratheon. But he's such yeah, a but weird, he's just a little sweet little kid. kid. Yeah, he's a cute kid from like a bad house. You know, you can hear them fighting in the background, and you know, I believed in you, Batman. Though my friend said I'm dumb, or you know, however he phrased it. It's yeah, a and optimistic and, and he gives him some night vision goggles. I mean, that's yeah, cool. you know, it's probably like five thousand dollar tech. But here you go, kid. Show it off at school. Yeah, 
I'm certain he got that beat. He got beaten up, and that was stolen from him. Uh, yeah, but, or at least the teacher confiscated or something. Like you stole <laughs> well, this from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, dang it. Um, yeah, little Jackie Gleason. Uh, Crane comes to collect the drugs and torch the place. Batman takes out his goons, but gets the gas. Um, like I said, really awesome look. Is it here. gas? It looks like vodka that he's throwing on him, which I couldn't really understand. He has like a bottle at some point too that he's like, "Here, have a drink." You yeah, I think, like they're, I think they're throwing off. like kerosene on him or something okay, at that point. Okay. Yeah, I was like, "Is that ever clear that's so flammable?" But, well, uh, yeah, I said gas. I guess it kind of looks kind of poison ivy powder stuff, really. But then they they have the whole like we've got to get the water vaporizer later. That's the yeah. like kind of extra Nolan layer of all this that I don't think it's really necessary. Um, Yeah, they just kind of tease that out throughout the film. Like, oh, yeah, there's a piece of tech that got stolen. Oh, yeah, it got stolen again. Oh, it got stolen again. Oh, (laughs) shit, it's here. I I get it. This is going to be the thing. Um, But, yeah, once again, Batman jumps out of a window, falls like 10 stories on fire. He should have been way more fucked up than he was after this fall. Um, in my opinion, but yeah, uh, cause he hits in this one, he hits the fire escape on the way down too. Yeah. Yeah. Sunman take it to the hip, which I feel like would be the worst part of this anyway, but yeah. Well, um, well done by that stuntman. Good thing. I, that man's love, much. I think this must be the moment where it turns for Alfred when he gets this midnight phone call going, oh, Alfred, I'm fucked up. Come get me. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Alfred thought he was just beating up some like low lives. Not, not getting in with the, the real deals. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really like the scene that comes after this where he wakes up in bed a few days later and uh, uh, Alfred is there, but so is Lucius Fox. So, yeah, he kind of knows now. Um, you, you, they don't really explain it, but you really get the sense that Alfred and Lucius ha- have, have a relationship. Like there's some history, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah. Lucius Fox is a great character. Um, but, yeah, I he just always is just there. You know, you, you <laughs> put up Gordon as the heart of these films. I think Lucius Fox has a chance at that title, too. I think that, yeah, he's carrying some of that load, certainly. He's carrying definitely, some of that weight. Definitely in the second one, he's the conscious yes. of it there. At the oh, end. that's yeah. a big one. The one. Um, but, of course, he has synthesized the antidotes. Um, I love, love the, like, Bruce's line, oh, you know how it is. You're at a party. Someone's passing around the weaponized hallucinogens. <laughs> it's just, he's got a kind of a wry sense of humor that I think is uh, kind of missing in some of the other Batmans. Uh, all right, so Rachel goes to Arkham and gets gassed by Scarecrow, uh, sees them all pouring the stuff into the water supply. Um, great Killian Murphy here with the, he's here. Yeah, I'm looking around. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Um, And Scarecrow says, call the cops. Uh, But Batman doses Crane with his own supply. Um, And this is so fucking awesome when he goes like full demon Batman. Mm -hmm. And there's like tar melting out of his mouth. Which is actually a separate costume. That costume exists in Christopher Nolan's possession that they built a different uh, layered costume for the whole thing to be a prosthetic oh, okay. uh, as an image into it. It's not just CGI that's coming out. It is leaking actual like oils and costume covering. Oh, that's awesome. Was it still which Christian is, which, Bale doing it? Or uh, I, did, oh, I don't know. I did I not go so, that deep but... into it, but they were telling me how this still exists, and I was like, that is creepy, and I want it. Yeah, because the whole the whole face looks so much just thicker and square, yeah. and and it might and, be a, a a fill in one of these stunt guys, but I can tell you that that imagining is still all real, which makes it all the scarier for it's me. It's such a it's such a great effect, and then um, 
Dr. Crane's reaction where, you know, Batman's interrogating him and he's like, you know, who's responsible for this? And 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 Crane thinks he's giving up the info when he's like Ra's al Ghul. What really breaks his brain is when Batman's like, Ra's al Ghul is dead and killing it. You could like you can see the look in Killian Murphy's <laughs> eyes. It's just like, wait, this bat thing not only has heard of Ra's al Ghul, but he's telling me What the fuck? <laughs> he just starts melting Who's been down. sending me notes? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> just like, cannot process, cannot process. Yeah, meltdown, meltdown. Um, but the cops are too scared to enter the building, but Gordon goes in alone. Batman tells him to take Rachel. He calls some bat friends for backup to distract the cops while he escapes. And this is where the, uh, oh, I'll get my car. I brought mine. Um, and he comes out in the tumbler. I think the Jim Gordon line, the I got to get me one of those, doesn't really fit with the tone of this movie. Yeah, that one crossed that line of cheese where maybe Nolan was letting a little more of the uh, summer blockbuster in than he will. Yeah. Films, and it does it does take a little bit away. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, let's. Uh, I, one thing I'm never sure about during these tumbler sequences: why does he have to go down into the nose of the car to use the weapons? Like, it, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I think it's just a fun effect, and we just have to leave that one alone. <laughs> like, apparently, it was a part of a submarine before, some sort of scuba diving. Which is weird. The, the chair has to like move over and then go into the thing. Yeah. Um, though it's, it's great such a delayed later process. when uh, Gordon does it and he's like, oh, oh God, what's happening? <laughs> this is great, Oldman. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then we get a little uh, tumbler chase, driving on rooftops and stuff. Uh, the couple of things I wanted to shout out in this sequence is one, Batman drops explosives on cop cars. that, that yeah. so They're basically like caltrops for cars that flip these cars. Um, I know Nolan goes to great lengths to like show, oh, that car got crushed, but look, the guys are still inside. The guys crawled out of sight of it. He, he stuck to, uh, and it's a big deal for me as a comic book fan because that's such a big deal and something that Snyder just ignored and it drove me crazy. He was like, yeah, Batman murders people all the time. He was like, no, that's like a, it has to be a thing. Well, I don't buy it in this sequence because at least like 12 cops got killed in this chase. Listen, you know? all right, if they weren't wearing their seatbelts, that's not Batman's fault. If, if they had seatbelts on, he knew they'd be fine. He did the, <laughs> the studies review. But, if you didn't you know, see blood, it didn't happen. So where one of those guys had, yeah, one of those guys had falafel instead. That's on him. <laughs> Stop stealing falafel, you dirty cops. Makes your fingers all greasy. You slip yeah, on that steering you wheel. Slip on the steering wheel and you can't get it right. That's on you. Uh, but he does, of course, get back to the manor just in time to uh, save Rachel. And this is where Alfred starts with the uh, "You're lost inside the monster, Master Wayne." And it's like it's been two days, Alfred. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> we ordered ten thousand bat ears. You know, like <laughs> give me a few days. Um, this is <laughs> we get the hilarious shot of Alfred putting an unconscious young woman in the back of his car. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Uh, um. Uh, and you even right. clock the, the like the wait staff being like, uh, is there? A- uh, Bruce put out another one. Let's yeah, just basically. <laughs> Alfred's yeah. covering again, guys. Yeah. Who was it this time? Remember the cupboard with the dead wives? Yeah, let's. God, I, God, I hope she's over twenty. Throw you know, these rich people. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but downstairs he meets, and I love the the kind of uh, meta commentary the way this is delivered. The am I saying this right, Raz Al Ghul? Because that's been the thing. Like nobody really knows how to pronounce this guy's name. Yeah. Is it Raz? Is it Raish? Is it Raj? You know, over all the years. 
Yeah, and then you get the the great Liam Neeson voice arises from the background after he's like, "You're not Ra's al Ghul." He's like, "But who is Ra's al Ghul?" <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, this is the. Sorry, go ahead. Surely, surely, in the uh, the line I like the most, surely a man who spends his night jumping dressed as a bat would, <laughs> yeah, would find me uh, a little bit of uh, false identity. And uh, yeah, he's really kind of throwing some shade later on. He's just like, "You took my advice about theatricality eh, a bit literally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a little too far." Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I love the Bruce being a prick to everybody's trying to act drunk, and you can tell it's such a great Bale performance because you can tell, you know, he's doing the drunk thing, but you can tell it's like hurting him too because of the whole like you know, embarrassing his father's it, it name. It feels visceral. Yeah, and. Uh, I even think there's a line, and I don't know, but they you have a little side shot of Liam Neeson kind of like smirk approving while he's doing it. Oh yeah. And I don't know I if it's like Razogul is like, yeah, he's willing to do whatever, and I'm proud of like my student again, or it's just Liam Neeson being like, man, this motherfucker is acting. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't Duke. It wasn't Ducard. It was Neeson. It, it was, it was yeah. Neeson. It was like. He's killing it right now. Like I need to step <laughs> up for this scene. A little bit of both, maybe. A little could, bit. Of yeah, both. I think it worked both ways. So, um, so uh, meanwhile, his goons let all the crazies out of Arkham while they start to uh, burn down uh, Bruce's house, and this is where Bruce gets taken out by a falling beam, uh, just like the fake Roz did at the start of the movie. Um, but never fear, Alfred, to save the day. This was a little silly for me. Old Alfred clocking the guy and. Gets a little one-liner in there with it before he comes in. Um, and he doesn't really do anything other than give Bruce a pep talk. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, he's not lifting a lot. And I think just overall, um, by the end of the three movies, I like Michael Caine's Alfred the most. Yeah. But they didn't, I don't think that Nolan really knew what to do with him in this no, film no. where he's just kind of got, there's the Rolls Royce line earlier, yep. a little pep talk about having fun and so they gave him the one-liners like from the Schumacher days. Like, here's our comedy guy. We use Sir Michael Caine for one-liners. Uh, but his character definitely gets better in the other movies. Not that he's bad in this one. It's just not yeah. just like the Jim Gordon line. It's just not right in tone or in moment. Right. No, I agree 100% on that one. Um, but they get down to the Batcave just as the whole house comes down around them. Really shocked me, man. That little elevator thing hits the ground hard at the bottom of that shaft. I'm going, man, Michael Caine's knees just broke there. Um, so, Bruce, you know, this is the Dark Knight of the Soul portion of the film. He's, oh, I failed. Alfred basically tells him to get back out there. Wait, what? An hour ago, you told me I was lost in the monster. <laughs> hey, but now he's quoting uh, Papa Wayne. You know, why do we fall down? The line you said, what, three or four times? So we yeah. can learn to get back up. Yeah, we got it. We got it. And it, man, is that applicable to my life as a superhero? Thank you, Dad. Like, I really, <laughs> you know, write that on a cup. Yeah, write that on a cup. <laughs> uh, so Ra- Raz, or Raz, or whatever you want to call him, Raz fires up the water Raz. vaporizer thingy, whatever that thing was called. Um, which also I want to pause on that for a second because when they explain what that thing does, where it like, oh, you know, it's for you know war zones, microwave it, burst emitter to destroy water supplies, vaporizes like, water. A lot of Geneva Convention breakage exactly. that we're doing. Exactly. Somebody needs to look like fuck. Thought, thought Tony Stark was up to some dirty shit. Somebody needs no, to look into where you're just like. You know what would be great to wreck if they did have water? Just <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> 
Nailed it, Wade Enterprises. We are the best at war. Um, and typically they have terrible security around their very powerful uh, weapons. I mean, why um, would you? It defends itself. It is a comic book movie after all. Um, so Batman takes out four of Roz's goons and then goes after Roz on the train. Well, that isn't it. You skipped one of the better lines. You skipped you skipped the Liam Neeson line when he's like, you think I can't take two of your cronies? And he's like, eh, very well. And then two more drop down. Yeah, which is weird because it's like, well, you think I can't take two? Well, if you can take two, you can probably take four. Maybe drop ten. I don't know. I'm yeah, just, like, I mean, just have a little more security. Remember, you wanted this guy to be your like number one, so clearly you think something of his abilities. So you know, slowly. yeah. I mean, it's even more. The books don't get into it as much. In the comics, like Ra's al Ghul has three daughters who are really butthurt because they all wanted to lead. Right. He's like, nope, you all suck. Bruce Wayne is the son I never had. Bruce Wayne is the best. You know, yeah. I, I'm just not sure uh, his heart was really in it in the end. You know, I think if he really wanted to destroy Gotham, he could have, but he just, yeah, uh, you know, he couldn't do it to Bruce. Yeah. Uh, he seems pretty content at the end when it all goes bad. He's just like, man, whatever. I guess I'm good. <laughs> um, we get a lot of stuff. I'm kind of skipping past some stuff here on the Narrows. We get a lot of like uh, Katie Holmes goes down there for a little while. She talks to Gordon. We get the Mark Boone Jr. character back and forth. Um, all kind of unnecessary. I think you could have trimmed that down a little bit, though. I love yeah, it when Katie, Katie Holmes saving Joffrey Baratheon was a weird, yeah. a weird scene. And like I had said earlier, she just doesn't show any emotion when she shoots a supervillain in the face, and he is just rides off in like a comical, bad, like pain yeah. scream. That I'm not not a huge fan of that scene, just in general. I mean, I think they're trying to give her more to do, but like she didn't need to go down there for the narrows and be a part yeah. of all this, you know? And it she, was just a it was a bad ending for Cillian Murphy, who had a great movie besides that. I felt yeah. like he deserved a better – at least he could have been taken out by the bat, not by, you know, right. a six-to-D.A. DA Rachel Dawes. At least the saving grace of it all is the, like, he's obviously not dead. Yeah, he goes out in a <laughs> comical manner, but it's very much a, like, yeah, we're going to see him again. Um and yeah, I think the only reason Rachel is even involved in any of this is so we can get the little rooftop line about, uh, you know, it's my actions that define me just so she can go, oh, Bruce, like, oh. um, but whatever. Um, so Batman scores off. Giving up that secret identity real quick, by the way. We've been yeah, doing this for a week and a half and we're already like, yeah, well, I can tell her. Yeah. Didn't, didn't uh, milk it the all The person I'm trying to protect, I'm just going to let her have this and see what happens. <laughs> Which, you she's know, a you lawyer? Might... Oh God, she's a prosecutor. I should have looked that up. <laughs> You might as well have just told her on the L train, you know, uh, yesterday when you saved her from the muckers. It's literally the yep. day before. <laughs> uh, no, it's been a rough 24 hours. He had to get it off his chest. Really has. Really has. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, Gordon takes out the tracks ahead of the train. Um, like I said, I love uh, uh, the, the work here. But even in this moment, he kind of slows down for the – there's like another bum that walks up and is like, oh, cool car. What's going on there? Like it's – we're in – we don't need that here. We're in the, the, the big finish. You know, let's go. Um, but so anyway, Batman gets the upper hand on uh, Roz on the train. And then we get the, you know, this is the kind of questionable uh, philosophies of Batman. The, uh, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Well, yeah, but in this circumstance, it's kind of the same thing, Bruce. So whatever makes, <laughs> whatever helps you sleep at night, buddy. Whatever your personal psychosis, yeah. Let's, let's let it go, I guess. But uh, the train plummets, the tech blows, and bye, Roz. Um, 
And then we get a couple little wrap-up bits here. Back at Wayne Enterprises, Rugger Howard gets fired by Bruce. Uh, Lucius is CEO now. A little quip, you know, did you get the memo? I actually love the cut to Bruce in the back of the limo when he's explaining all this over the speakerphone. It's another good Bruce line, like Rich Dick. He's like, not to bore you with the details, yeah. like the same line that had been used on him earlier. There's such it's a great good. little beat where he's like, yeah. it's all a little, like he, he catches a laugh. Yeah. That he holds back in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Um, and then back to the smoldering ruins of Wayne Manor, where Bruce is once again doing some carpentry in uh, polo and khakis. Um, uh, just uh, interesting. A big, uh, big symbology moment there, covering up the well. Feels like he's healing. You yeah. know, that, that's, a, that's a big moment for him. That's what we're going to end on. I also took it a little bit as like, well, the cover burned off of that thing, so now people are going to see my bat cave. I better put some nails <laughs> in this. Um, and Rachel comes up, gives Brucey a little smoochy smoochy, but just to say we can't be together. Um, which, which th- I, I've never, I've never liked this ending. I think Katie Holmes is not good in these scenes. I don't know that. I, I don't even really know that Bale is good in this scene. There's just something very tacked on about it that feels very. Um, Raimi Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but that's just me. Sure, yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a good comparison because there's just not enough of their relationship through the rest of the movie to really validate meeting this scene. Yeah. Like, you tell that there may have been, but we would have been totally fine with him just never talking about them dating. Well, like, and even yeah, were, we were friends. Their that's relationship, it. yeah, I'm never sure. Did did they date in the past? Is this just the fr- the first time that we're getting yeah, it's just feelings? The or? only time that she confirms that she was in love with this man was then. And it's like, did we date in high school? Because the rest of the timeline we're presented, you guys aren't in the same city. Right. You know, I don't know what, was it like a long distance thing while he's at Princeton? Uh, yeah, I so think, it's just, think, it just uh, seems unnecessary. I think Bruce was into it, but either Thomas or Martha did not approve of him diddling the help. And uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and yeah blame Martha here because <laughs> yeah. Thomas is such a nice guy. Yes, he rides exactly. the subway. He rides the subway, buddy. He rides right? the subway when he Martha would have had to. the limo. Martha would have had the limo. <laughs> yes, you know she was bitching about it too. Yeah, God fucking damn it! I oh, put on pearl to get on, the, to get on the L. Um, and in the meantime, Bruce decides to rebuild. Oh, of course we do get that. We can't be together now, but maybe someday when you hang yeah. up the cape and cowl, we can get down on it. Yeah, whatever. Um, so in the meantime, Bruce decides to rebuild. Alfred suggests some improvements to the Southeast Foundations, Master Wayne. And that's the last time I'll do a Michael Caine impression tonight. I promise. Um, and last but not He's least. Lying. He's absolutely lying. He's going to do it as soon as we end the coverage. I might be, yeah, actually. Um, and then finally, Bruce meets Lieutenant Gordon by the brand new Bat Signal, one of the best, I think, sequel teases with the card. Um, you know, they, he never says Joker, just gives him the card. I'll look Flips into it. Flips it over. That's what you end on. Yeah, um, all set up. You knew Christopher Nolan already had that screenplay going for number two. And he was yeah. ready to rock and roll. And I actually remember that a little bit of electricity in the theater with that moment when he when he turns it over and you're like, oh shit, yeah. Um, I I certainly felt that you know because yeah. that's I mean that is the villain that is Batman's villain. So you're excited to see that they were not just doing one movie like they did before, where it was one film and throw some more money and then make yeah. another film. That that Nolan had a, a plan from the beginning, at least. It's also just that such an iconic Nicholson performance. Where you know we're going on almost twenty years after that, so you see the I'm card still. and you're just like, man, how could they even do that? You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. mind boggling at the time. 
Yeah. Um, but I really think it ends on a poignant final line with Gordon with the, uh, I never said thank you and Batman and you'll never have to. It's like, okay, this is a hero, you know? Yeah. He's I, nailing it. I dig that. So that is Batman begins from 2005. Uh, any awards we didn't call out along the way, cousin? I think we, uh, I think we get everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, just wanted to see if I had, yeah, yeah, we hit them all. All right, so uh, big loser, uh, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes is my pick. It's not because, of, like you had said, it's not totally her performance in this movie, but this was her year to really become you know, the big thing, and it, it didn't pan out, even though this movie itself was a pretty big success. Yeah, and I mean, even even a lot of the stuff that goes into that has nothing to do with this movie. It's no. It's real world stuff, but... Um, you know, still kind of how it all shook you out. Still lost end. out. You had you had the shot to be a queen of Hollywood, I think, and then yep. it just didn't happen. Um, yeah, queen of Scientologists, I guess. There for a few years. That's about it. Um, all right, uh, your big winner, cousin. Uh, the fans of comic book movies, because finally this has validated what we have been waiting for. Uh, in between, you have a um, singer does a pretty good X Men movie that's enjoyable. Uh, and the Spider-Man's coming back out and doing really well. They were nailing the big numbers, but um, Batman is the first time where it feels really serious again, yeah. and they're taking a really serious view at a character, a comic book character, not the lighthearted view, and really treating it as the quality of story uh, that they should be treated as. Comic yeah. books so often get relegated to a second-class citizenry and it shouldn't because there are some amazing stories told and some amazing characters and we got some of them in this film i agree 100 percent, and that kind of rolls into my winner i mean you say the fans i'm saying christopher nolan um but it's really thanks to christopher nolan that the fans win because he kind of showed all of hollywood that yes you can do realism in a comic book movie without mm-hmm. um you know kind of going without kind of dumbing down what makes you a comic book movie yeah um, he and, rode that line and it's it's wonderful yeah and of course i mean it got him a sequel and another one and and this and is the movie got, that really launched yeah. him into that stratosphere he's so. got it's like 11 academy awards off of his films and so yeah. many other things um all right final question cousin how long until you would watch it again uh, you know, if it's just me, it'll probably be sometime next year. But if yeah. somebody in three months was like, hey, man, you know, we're sitting around. You want to watch Batman? I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say <laughs> I've seen it too recently. Uh, I think you're right on, on that. I'm probably, yeah, a year or two. But, I mean, I never there, – there's something about it, and I think it's – I'm going back to it not even for the Batman of it all. I'm going back to it for the the, the performances and for the Christopher Nolan of it all as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it it falls into a Batman rewatch. Sometimes it falls into a Christopher Nolan rewatch. So it kind of yeah. uh, covers all bases there. All right, cousin. Final thoughts on uh, uh, Batman Begins. Well, we'll just give it into our uh, rankings. And um, I had a tougher time putting this one into the rankings than I had previously. It was very easy with yeah. the last two. Yeah. Um, but having enjoyed the Tim Burton movies as much as they were, and this is why I, I kind of want to go watch it again to give it a fair <laughs> shot with uh, Nicholson at 89. It's but weird put, to even compare it. It's just such a different animal. It's than so the, different yeah. of a movie that it might be a mood thing. And it's just this, but this week yeah. we'll say that this right now is my number one of the one we've gone through. I think I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, from the standpoint of the way we've described it being mostly about kind of who, who's, 
uh, what's the best embodiment of a Batman story, right? And and mm-hmm. this one, like you said, I mean, everything from the the doc sequence to even the the stuff at the Narrows at the end, just all quintessential oh. Batman to me. Um, and so uh, I'm glad you reminded me of that actually, because uh, uh, I didn't have that on my board. But where do you rank Christian Bale in our uh, evolving rankings? Oh, Christian Bale is it's not it's not close. Some people yeah. are big fans of Keaton. Um, and I like the Keaton Batmans, but Christian Bale is just the best actor that's yeah. ever been cast as yes. Batman. Even as great as Keaton is in a lot of things, he is not uh, the superhero like this. Right, right. I like Keaton's Batman because I like Keaton. Yeah. I like Christian Bale's Batman because he's fucking nailing it. <laughs> because he's a fucking Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, that uh, ranking will stick, I think, uh, for the next few weeks on that one. I don't... I don't uh, uh, at, at this point, I guess Pattinson could knock him off the pedestal, but I think he's the kind of the legacy. That's a, that's a tough hill to climb. That's going to be a tough hill for Pattinson. Yeah. And honestly, the uh, the emo kid haircut when he's Bruce Wayne is already making me think that it's not a little nervous. Happen. Little nervous. Maybe a little nervous about his yeah. Bruce. I uh, we'll have to do a few minutes on uh, the bat fleck of it all uh, at some point, but uh, but yeah, we're not going to go all the way down those. Uh, <sighs> do the Snyder verse right now? I just can't. All right, thank you for joining us on this trip back to the spoiler for 2005's Batman Begins right here on Spoilery Radio. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoiler Wars Pod. My name is Mason Fields. Until next time, stay spoilery, everybody.